Hello and welcome to a new edition of Flyer Buzz, the 2018 NHL Draft Preview Edition here on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com and Flyers Radio 24-7. I'm Brian Smith, joined remotely by Bill Meltzer as we all get ready for this weekend's 2018 NHL Draft. The Flyers with a boatload of picks, including two first-rounders and a bunch of options. And uh, it's it's always a fun time of year, Bill, not only uh, for those of us who work in the industry. Uh, it's one of the only times of the year that everybody in the league is in the same place at the same time for the most part. But, uh, you know, you've got a lot of optimism on the front of all teams, and it's kind of fun to kind of watch where the cards fall here after several months of speculation on who's going to go where. Absolutely. You know, and especially in recent years, you know, they – you know, apart from the the draft component, and then that which is you know similar every year, you're wondering who might move up in the draft, who's going to fall where, and there's always excitement and speculation about uh, you know, who the who the Flyers will draft, and in particular, particularly because of uh, how well they've drafted in recent years, and you know the number of picks that have been stockpiled, including two in the first round this year, but also because the the draft weekend has become almost like a second trade deadline. You know, in some ways, even busier than the trade deadline. You have you tend to have some big moves made. You know, you look no further back than a year ago with the Flyers with the Braden Shen trade, which kind of, you know, in some ways came out of nowhere. There were there were really no rumors around, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the after the Nolan Patrick pick, it uh, you know that that big news fell about about the trade, and you just you never know what can happen on the weekend, as you said. Everyone in the league's in the same place, and uh, you know it'll be it'll be a lot of fun in Dallas. Well, this year, this week's draft will complete this Braden Shen deal, and that's one of the uh, picks the Flyers have. As, as a matter of fact. It ended up turning out even better than perhaps the Flyers hoped last year because the pick that the Flyers get from St. Louis for Braden Shen turns out to be five picks earlier than their own pick because the Blues did not make the playoffs. Flyers, of course, did. And the uh, pick conveyed from St. Louis is the 14th overall pick. The Flyers' own pick sits at number 19. So a couple of mid-level picks there for round one. And then the Flyers will have their own pick in the second round. They do not have a third-round pick. That went to Detroit in the Peter Morazic trade. Uh, the uh, Flyers then will have uh, a handful of picks over the final four rounds. Right now, one in the fourth, two in the fifth, one in the sixth, and two in the seventh to kind of round things out. So uh, it is obviously pretty hard to project uh, what might happen at this point past perhaps the first couple of rounds. So let's just talk about this draft in general, Bill. Uh, uh, starting at the top, uh, some of the guys that are – uh, you know, the, the can't-miss, so-to-speak, prospects at the top of this draft that everybody's expecting to go pretty early. Yeah, absolutely. This year's this year is a very interesting draft. Um, there, are, there are a couple of the big-name guys who were, you know, expected to be, well, start with Rasmus Dahlin, of course, defenseman who was a, uh, a franchise-level player. But even even after him, Andrei Sveshnikov, uh, Philippe Zadina, uh, maybe Brady Kachuk, these are all guys who, who were expected to be your first line caliber players. Um, and then you have a number of guys who have a lot of very high upsides. You know, there, there's a bit of risk with some of these picks, but there, this could be a year where you might see guys go in the flyers range, the 19th pick, the 14th pick second round picks in some cases might end up having better careers, longer careers, more notable careers than guys who were taken a little bit earlier. Um, and then they're also, you know, then in, in every draft you have, you know, solid, Solid picks, two-way players, 
Um, this is this is a deeper than average draft. I think that's uh, you know later, uh, you know a few days ago Ron Hextall uh, addressed the draft and um, you know and that was that was kind of the gist. There 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 are players to be had in this draft. It, it all comes down to the scouting side and then of course on the, the other side the development side. But uh, you know the Flyers scouts have, have shown they know what they're looking for. So you know I I think there's a pretty good opportunity to come away with a at least a a couple of guys who play in the NHL maybe you know maybe you even hit a home run with an impact guy but you know you, you don't go into a draft unless you're picking at the very top expecting a home run but there is there is that potential there so let's look at some of those guys you mentioned at the top guys that right now are out of the flyers reach but with some creative wheeling and dealing that could change and i don't know how much incentive uh, Ron Hextall has to try to move up to grab one of these guys. I have no idea how the Flyers have those guys rated, but let's just say there is somebody up there in that top three, top four spot that uh, that the Flyers really like, and they want to go grab them. Got two first-round picks at their disposal. Uh, what's been rated as the best farm system in the NHL, and perhaps maybe the Flyers are reaching the point where they have uh, too many prospects to have a spot for all of them. Uh, in the near future. What would the Flyers need to do to jump up into that uh, first tier, if you will, and grab one of those players? No, I don't I don't think that, um, you know, unless it's it's such an overloaded trade, I don't think there's any way to get to the first pick. I don't think, I don't think Buffalo is moving off that number one spot. Um, I mean, it, for the Flyers to do that, it would be, uh, you know, it, it would be such an overpayment where, you know, Ron Hextall wouldn't do it. it. It would involve probably a couple of NHL roster players, you know, including including a, a defenseman of some impact because you're you'd be getting a guy who's expected to have, you know, major impact ability as as, as a projected first pairing defenseman, you know. And then it would also, on top of that, cost both first round picks. I didn't. I don't think you know. Again, I don't think Buffalo's moving. I don't think there's a realistic scenario for there. Um, from there, I you know you, you go into spots where the top forwards are projected to go. Um, and I think even there, it's going to cost you both the 14th and the 19th pick plus another pretty high end asset. And that, that's, you know, that that's a pretty expensive proposition to be able to move up. Is it impossible? Is, you know, is there no chance of happening? I, I would say there's a, there's a chance you could see the flyers move up uh, maybe not two or three, possibly in the top five. Um, if, once you get a little bit past there, then you get to where you know where the team has players rated. Um, you know if there's if there's a guy that you truly covet, and you you see a, a big line of demarcation where you know you you see the players upside being that much higher, then maybe you do step up and move you know somewhere the, the six eight spot. You know Van, Vancouver's pick has been one that's been um, rumored to potentially be available for a trade up scenario. So you know there there are. There is potentially the ability to move up. Um, there's something to be said too, though, for you know adding depth to your system because this is a pretty deep draft, as I, as I was saying, and you know there should be quality players available at 14 and 19. Maybe a little risk factor. Um, there are there are some guys who are pretty solid picks that are available there. And listen, there's also you know there's also the potential of moving down too. I, I think one thing that um, you know people don't always realize or appreciate is when when the scouts are doing their homework leading up to a draft they have to they have to prepare for all kinds of different scenarios that doesn't mean they go okay if we pick you know if we're picking 14th 
if we're not picking uh, 14th, rather we're picking 15th or 16th, they they great players in a range, but there there still have to be plans in place. Okay, if we move up, who are we targeting? If we stay if we stay where we are, you know, who who are guys who we like in our range? And if we move down, might we still be able to get one of the guys in our range and pick up another asset on top of it? I mean, right now the Flyers have three picks on the top 50, the 14th, the 19th, and the 50th. That's uh, you should be able to get some players out of that. But if you have a, a guy who you really like as a high end potential, you know, let's uh, we'll put a name out there and it's just just a, just a hypothetical. Say you know, say they really like Oliver Wallstrom and think he's going to be a 35 goal guy in the NHL, and they don't think there's another guy with that kind of upside. Then maybe you do move up, you know, or you know, or Kachuk or whoever it might be, some of the defensemen, the Evan Bouchards, the Noah Dobsons. You know, if you, if, if you think one of those guys is, is a definite cut above, that's where you that's where you potentially look to move up. I, I certainly think that, you know, the Flyers will do all due diligence about the potential of moving up. The odds probably favor standing standing where they are. That's what I think. It is really kind of hard to pigeonhole anything because there are so many possibilities, as you mentioned. Uh, the Flyers have uh, – in the past, uh, you know, combined a couple of things to move up in, in certain rounds. If memory serves, it might have been how they got Carter Hart. Um, but, uh, you know, there's been some times, too, where they've gone ahead and backed down and picked up an additional pick, and that's what they did with German Rubsoff just a couple of years ago. Uh, they were able to get the guy they wanted and still pick up another pick uh, later on uh, down the road. So it is kind of, again, difficult to pinpoint. Uh, even might be what uh, what's in the first round is I'm, you know, looking at – Four different mock drafts on my screen right now from uh, four different sources, and every single one of them has the Flyers picking a different player with their first pick. So it is, uh, you know, again, even when you're sitting down and, and doing this without the pressure of, uh, of a timer or anything like that, um, it, it is kind of hard to, to you know, focus in on anybody in particular when you don't have the number one or number two pick. So let's look at some of the guys that are in this group where uh, the Flyers are going right now in the mid-range of the first round. They, again, have 14 and 19 right now. A uh, couple of the guys that might be available for the Flyers that could uh, help this group in that, uh, in, in that range? There, there's quite a few, um, and... You know, the, the Flyers always draft with a best available player philosophy within the first few picks. Uh, Chris Pryor, unsurprisingly, re you know, recently said that, that they're going to stick with what's been working for them. Um, what, what's interesting in this year's draft is that uh, the best available player might end up at, might end up matching pos matching position on it anyway. You know, the uh, Flyers would like, you know, ideally if they could, to, to add a, uh, a scoring forward. There, there were guys with that upside who were available. Um, an example being um, a couple guys from the U.S. National Development Team program. Um, Joel Farabee is a, is a very speedy left winger, um, has scoring upside. He played on the top line, um, you know, and, and he was actually on Oliver Wallstrom's line. We mentioned Wallstrom. I think you might have to move up to get Wallstrom, but Farabee is the guy who might be in the Flyers' range, there. there. There's a Russian player, Kravtsov, who had a who had a really good playoff run uh, in, in the KHL this year. Um, really opened a lot of eyes. Um, there, there are some defensemen who uh, are, are intriguing players. Um, you know, maybe a guy like Keandre Miller, who, who from a physical standpoint, is very physically similar to uh, Seth Jones. Now, he doesn't have the uh, offensive game development that Seth Jones had when he was. You know, at the top of the 2013 draft, but 
there's a player who, if he clicks, could potentially be a, a top-pairing defenseman. He's he's a converted forward, so he's only played defense for a couple of seasons. Um, there, there are guys who, um, you know, Joe Valeno, a very good playmaking center, a good two-way player. Sue Summer Greyhounds have a center by the name of Barrett Hayton. Now, he might not be the highest upside guy, but he's a, he's a safe, solid pick, um, potentially going 14th. Uh, he's a teammate of Morgan Frost's, so he actually you know, played a little bit in Frost's shadow this year. Um, Frost was at the top of the lineup playing a ton of minutes. Hayton is a very good two-way player, um, has a good head on his shoulders. He was an all-scholastic player in the OHL this year. Uh, the organization knows the family very well. His his dad used to be uh, uh, a teammate and, and good friend of Terry uh, Huffman's. So you you have you have all these connections there, and there there's a variety of possibilities. The Swedes in the draft. Uh, Isaac Lundestrom is a good two-way player. There there's a kid who led the uh, Swedish junior leagues in scoring this year, who's been one of those guys rising with a bullet in the later part of the year, named uh, Jonathan Berggren. He's uh, he's a guy who kind of tore up the. Uh, under 18 world championships. And there's a guy who, you know, maybe would, maybe would he go as high as the ninth overall pick? It, it's possible. You know, there, there's, there's a big range of players. And I'd also be remiss if I mentioned, uh, you know, Shell Samuelson, son, Matias. Um, he's a potential guy in the, in the 19th range. Um, he's a big frame guy, not quite as big as his dad, but still very big, uh, better skater than Shell ever was. And he's, uh, you know, he, he's a good solid pick that you might see around the 19th range too so there's there's all kinds of ways they can take it and i would so enjoy spending several years i'll do this anyway whether he's a fly or not telling how much better his kid is than him <laughs> it'll be fun on on our um so you have a better probably grasp on the flyers uh, organizational depth than uh, a lot of folks do and everybody can look at the nhl roster and say the flyers need this flyers need that at least they can form an opinion about it but the fact is that the Flyers are not going to find anybody in this draft more than likely who are going to fill one of those needs in the next uh, year. Uh, that's just the way it is with the NHL draft. A lot of these players after the first few picks uh, don't join the NHL team until two or three years down the road. So looking at it from an organizational perspective, again, knowing the Flyers do go best available more often than not, but what are the needs this Flyers team has organizationally from top to bottom uh, right now with all the players that they have playing uh, with the Phantoms and below down into the amateur ranks? What, where are some of the things they could bolster in this draft? Oh, I, I think a lot of people would point to a, a scoring winger. I don't know that it's necessarily as huge of a need as some people say. You know, I, I think, for example, Isaac Ratcliffe took a really big step this year in the Ontario League, particularly in the second half. Um, you know, you talked about trading up last year. The Flyers traded three picks to move up in the second round because they had um, they had Ratcliffe pegged as a as a first round caliber player, and he wasn't going to be on the board by the time their next pick came up. So the Flyers traded three picks, a second, a third, and a fourth round pick to be able to move up and, and take Ratcliffe. Ratcliffe is a very exciting prospect, and also people talk about the need for size. Ratcliffe is huge. Yes. You know, and so, you know, he, he's a player who's, uh, you know, who might provide that top six winger uh, that the people talk about. Another, another guy is uh, Wade Allison, who's already in the system. He um, was having a tremendous sophomore collegiate season. Unfortunately, he, uh, he suffered a knee injury uh, in, the, in the second half of the season, and uh, it ended his season. But that, that's a guy who, uh, you know, he's a, in a lot of ways, his game is pretty similar to Wayne Simmons. 
and he has he has scoring potential. He has a big one timer um, from the from the right side, but he's he's also very good net front too. So I mean, there there's a couple of guys there who have the potential to be, you know, to be scorers off the wing. Um, and then, you know, Rubsov um, is a very good two-way player. Didn't really have the kind of year offensively that uh, I, I think people were hoping for, himself included. He, he was better, had a better year offensively last year when he first came over from Russia. He also had a lot of interruptions to his season this year. But anyway, Rubsov played a lot of wing this year. He played mostly right wing. So, you know, whether he plays center, whether he plays, plays wing, um, he might be another year or so. He might need a year in the American Hockey League first, but there's a there's a guy who might be able to, to join the team at some point. Uh, in our previous podcast, we talked about some players, you know, from the from the Phantoms like uh, Nicholas Abe Kubel, maybe uh, Mikhail Vorobiev could be a guy who might move up and, and play a third line, fourth line forward kind of a role. So there there are players there. You know, I, I think you can always if you can always fit in another potential top six. Kind of a player who it would it would certainly it would certainly be a good thing for the long run, uh, and in terms of being a you know a playmaker in the middle, you know top six caliber guy to, to supplement um, Sean Couturier and Nolan Patrick, I mean uh, you know all, all Morgan Frost did uh, did this year was go and have a 112 point season was the runner up for MVP in the Ontario League, so you know he's probably at the top of the Flyers' um, long range depth chart and forward, but you can always it can always add more scoring punch, always add more speed, add a little more size. Um, I think also, you know, even though a lot of the defensemen in the system are young, you know, you, you now have guys who are at the NHL level. You know, Pro, Ivan Provorov's going into his, his third year. You know, um, Shane Gossespierre is going into his fourth year. Uh, you have, you know, um, Travis Sanheim is now an NHL roster guy. Robert Haig. Now, now coming up from below, you have – you know, Philippe Myers is, is the main guy you're looking at maybe graduating to the NHL in the near future. Uh, if, if Sam Moran heals well from the torn ACL, you know, he might be in the mix too. But in terms of organizational depth, now you're going to need some more guys coming in. So that's why, you know, I had mentioned guys like Matias Samuelson or uh, or Keandre Miller or, you know, there, there are other guys too. There There's uh, Niels Lundqvist is a Swedish defenseman who, who was a quick riser in the second half. He might be a guy, if he's there in the second round, you, you might have interest in maybe you rate him high enough, even in the first round. Um, you know, or a guy like uh, Bodie Wild is a, a U.S. national team product also. You know, has, has to put it together more consistently, but a ton of physical skills. So I, I, I do think there is an organizational need to keep keep feeding the pipeline in terms of defensemen. Maybe maybe I'd say even more so in, ter- you know, in terms of forwards to some degree. Uh, in goal, there's no such thing as too much depth. You know, you, you have Carter Hart, you have Felix Sandstrom, you know, Alex Lyon is in the mix too. But, you know, ideally in, in every draft, you know, you, you might want to take a goalie at some point. I don't think there's going to be any goalies that are going to go in the go in the first round this year. And I'd probably, I'd say more likely than not, not in the flyer second round range either this year. But, you know, from the fourth round onward, it, it, it's – open season where you might take a goalie at any point there. Um, and that's somewhere where you might not have as much imminent need just given the quality of players there starting with heart. But there's, you know, there's always, there's always room for more depth. But I would say that in terms of building the pipeline, uh, a scoring winger and a defenseman would be the, the biggest areas to look at. 
I'll trouble everyone for a moment with my Isaac Ratcliffe story. And I can't remember if you were sitting next to me or not. But last year we were doing a dry run of Flyers Radio 24-7. It was a concept at that point, And uh, we didn't have it live available to the general public, but we were kind of doing a live broadcast a lot like we will this year. Uh, but we were sitting there in the second round. And I'll tell you one thing about the draft, especially the second day, is that it goes rather quickly. Um, you know, it's not like the yeah. first round on Friday where there's 15, 20 minutes between picks. You're just going bang, bang, bang on the, the second day. And it's really fun when your team all of a sudden moves up because usually it happens right before you make the pick and you don't have a whole lot of notice. So you're kind of sitting there waiting for five, ten picks to go by, and then all of a sudden, bang, flyers are, p- are picking, and they pick Isaac Ratcliffe. So we're all jumping to attention, so to speak. Uh, we're, we're getting ready to, to, to look into this guy, and you know I'm still trying to figure out how this – whole radio station thing works and then next thing i know isaac ratcliffe is standing in front of me and we sit now on basically on the ice uh in a auxiliary media area where the ice would be and this kid is standing in front of me and I, he's so tall i'm staring straight at the ceiling trying to look at this guy it, it's it, the angle is such that the lights the ice lights are right behind him in, in the ceiling i can't even make him out i wasn't even sure who i was talking to uh, he gave a great interview, which unfortunately we didn't record, so nobody heard it. Uh, but it was just—it's just one of those things that uh, you know—that's—that's that's the kind of uh, in- interesting stuff we're facing here. But one thing I did pick up from Isaac Ratcliffe is he is uh, got got a very good head on his shoulders uh, from that uh, first impression, and, and it is uh, again we're we're talking about how it, it's kind of hard to pinpoint what a team's going to do. That, that's the kind of thing that happens uh, at the uh, at the draft. Uh, things happen very quickly, and you're. Your, your draft table is, is really on its toes. And, and that does also tend to, to bring my next topic, which is the guys that are at the draft table. I know you've had a little bit of insight as to how this works, but essentially uh, how this goes for all the teams, but the Flyers in particular we'll focus on, of course, is that uh, you've got a table with all the scouts sitting around it. And, uh, you know, at some point or another, uh, usually a guy's opinion is asked. And a lot of times people know their opinions going in on certain guys, but uh, when when crunch time is there and you have to move or pick or whatever, um, there's there's certain guys out there that uh, are responsible for certain areas. And I know that uh, you know you're you're familiar with a little bit of how the, how the whole thing is structured. Uh, can can you tell us a little bit about? you know, how the Flyers approach the draft and uh, some of their trusted voices that have brought certain players into the organization over the years? Sure. And uh, usually usually going in, you know, first round, even the, the second round to some degree, you know, you go in trying to have as much consensus as possible. You know, if, if the organization scouts are deeply divided uh, on, a, on a player – you know, and not just not maybe just a spot or two difference. You know, if a couple guys really like a kid, and some some guys, eh, I don't know. You know, if, if it's pretty sharp like that, that's usually a kid they'll bypass or they, they try to go a little bit more in terms of consensus. But if it's close, and if it, you know there, there's a couple guys that are, are in close range, yeah, you, you can have you can have some debate at the table. Um, you know, uh, an interesting scenario, and we just we just had an article on the Flyers website was 2011, where you know all of a sudden Sean Couturier became available. Now the day before the Flyers had just had just traded um, Mike Richards and Jeff Carter, and they weren't figuring still that Couturier would necessarily be available for them at the eighth pick, but Paul Holmgren said, you know, we better reconsider this this 
our rankings here because the Flyers were looking at a couple defensemen. Um, you know, they were probably home, they, were, they were homing in on on uh, Dougie Hamilton and Jonas Brodin at that point, right? And uh, Homer said to, to the group there, you know, we better rethink this a little bit because we just traded two centers. You know, Carter was a was a big was a big center, and uh, you know Richard was a heart and soul type and a two way guy, and uh, you know so they they rejiggered their their rankings a little bit, and lo and behold, Couturier is there at the eighth spot, and they picked him even though they never even interviewed him at the the combine. You know that's how quickly things can change. You know based on you know on on draft day. Um, you know last last year uh, it wasn't a slam dunk that the that the Braden Shen trade was going to go down. Um, but when uh, the Flyers picked up the 27th pick, it was, it was unanimous, even though, you know, even though pundits out there were reporting to uh, Ailey Tolvanen, a Finnish, Finnish player who now made his debut uh, with uh, Nashville this year and, and a good player and a sniper. And, you know, but uh, that was the guy who maybe a lot of outside people were worth saying they should point to. The, the consensus of the Flyers' table was Morgan Frost is our guy right here. And uh, that, that over the last year certainly seems to have played out. But that's, that's, kind, of, that's kind of where you go in, in the first round. Um, you know, you, you get as much consensus as possible. As you go a little bit deeper into the draft, that's where you get a little bit more uh, in terms of maybe one scout really steps up and speaks up. Um, an example being in, in 2012, you know, um, at that, at that at the point in time uh, when the Flyers picked in the third round that year, Union College wasn't yet what it became a couple of years down the line when it won the national championship. Union College was a was a small, fair, still fairly obscure school at that point, not certainly not a national powerhouse at that point. And John Riley, who was scouting for the team at that at that point, you know, had had, had scouted him, had seen him in Union, and other than the fact that it was a uh, you know, not a great team. Saw no reason not to draft them, so we spoke up. We, you know, and and they, you know, it comes down to a lot of times to trust among the scouts. You know, yesterday I had a uh, tremendous conversation with with Bob Clark for an article that's going to be on the flyer site, and he said that you know the whole key to to a successful scouting department is you want guys who have the courage to stand up and advocate for a player. You don't want guys who are going to the you know, and, and Clarky said, you know, sometimes you get guys who, you know, they may have an agenda. Maybe they, maybe their ambitions down the line are be a general manager, as the as opposed to necessarily doing what's best for the organization. So, you know, there's there's a lot of trust among the Flyers scouts. Uh, if you talk to Dennis Patterson, if you talk to Todd Hardy, if you talk to, uh, you know, a veteran scout like Simone Nolay, that's what they often talk about. That the Flyers scouts have a lot of trust in other. And if somebody recommends a kid, there's usually a reason for it. So if somebody's stepping up after after the first round and say, hey, we need to take this guy, they'll usually they'll usually get on board with it. You know, and, and you don't necessarily have as much division, you have a little bit more specialization. But early on you have guys who were widely scouted. Um, even if even if a scout's main area is the Ontario League or the, the uh, Western League, like that's Mark Gregg's home base area. So they might have the most viewings of a player from that area, but they're also doing what they call crossover scouting. So in other words, Mark Gregg will see a certain number of games in the Ontario League, and he'll see a certain number of games in the Quebec League, and they'll all be going to the international tournament. So you'll get a you'll get a variety of opinions. You know, all all the scouts have seen the, the top players at least a couple of times, and it doesn't come become it does it shouldn't be about 
well, this kid is from my area. I scouted him the most. We need to take him. You know, you're, you're looking for the guy who you think is the, the best available player who can help the organization. And Flyers, if you, if you look at the track record, especially well, in, in the first round, even going back 20 years or so, but – you know, more in more recent years, in some later rounds, I mean, they've been they've been hitting on a lot of their picks. So whatever they're doing is working. Well, it's the biggest week of the year for this uh, this crew, and we're going to get a chance to see how it all turns out this week. And Bill, thanks very much for joining us here on this preview, and we'll look forward to having you part of things in Dallas. Uh, we're going to have stuff on the website. We'll have stuff here on Flyers Radio twenty four seven. And uh, we're going to have a good time here as we uh, see who might be coming down the pipeline for the, uh, for the Flyers. So thanks again for your time here, and we look forward to the weekend. Absolutely. Calm before the storm right now, but it's going to get chaotic very soon. All right. Well, we th- hope you'll have us uh, along with you for that storm. Again, everything is going to start on Friday night. Uh, watch for details at PhiladelphiaFlyers.com uh, and uh, FlyersRadio247.com, our Twitter handle, at FlyersRadio247. We'll have all the final details as to when we're going to be on the air and what we will bring to you. We're going to have uh, a whole lot of fun this weekend. We're going to be not only covering things as they happen, but we'll be talking with some of these guys after the fact. Uh, we're going to have uh, a, a chance to, to, to meet them and uh, get their thoughts on being drafted and where things are going to take them from here. And then we're going to get to see a bunch of these guys probably right away because uh, next week is the Flyers Development Camp. It's going to start a little bit earlier this year, and so a lot of folks are going to come straight from the draft to Philadelphia. So, uh, of course, we'll be along for that as well at uh, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com and here on Flyers Radio 24-7. So you can uh, join us throughout this uh, next couple of weeks here, and we'll have a great look at a lot of the future of the Flyers coming up. Uh, That's that's going to do it for this edition of the uh, Flyer Buzz 2018 NHL Draft Preview. Again, join us this weekend and keep it close for uh, updates on everything that's going on. For Bill Meltzer, I'm Brian Smith. Have a great day, everybody.